Christian Lee is up here uh, leading us in prayer. Uh, her name is Pastor Erin Lee. Uh, she's in charge of the Emmaus ministry. Emmaus is the college ministry we have at New Philadelphia Church. We have a very vibrant college ministry in the campus of Yonsei University in Seoul. And she's, uh, she heads that up, and she has many uh, people. Some of our, her Emmaus babies are here today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's a fiery preacher. She's filled with the, the Spirit of the Lord, and she's going to give us a word today. Uh, let's welcome up Pastor Aaron Lee. Amen. Oh, good thing I wore my heels because stays so high. Hmm. All right. How are you guys doing today? You doing good? My name is Erin. Um, as Pastor Caleb introduced me, I am uh, the wife of Pastor Christian. And uh, we've been co-leading this church, New Philadelphia Church, uh, together. And uh, it's just such a privilege to be here. I hope you guys know that um, just being here today, it's an answer to prayer. And I remember before we even started this church plant, we used to pray for what we would see in Pusan. And we would imagine, oh, man, I wonder who would who would come to the Pusan church plant and what kind of people would join the church and, and what we would be able to see in terms of change in the city. And just seeing you guys here today worshiping with us, it just really blesses my heart. And so I'm just so thankful to God. Uh, for his goodness and his faithfulness. Amen? Amen. We're going to read from the Bible, Philippians chapter 4. I get a mug. (laughs) All right, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verses 4 to 9. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version, but you can just read whichever uh, version of the Bible you have. Let's read it together, though, from verses 4 to 9. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk about the power of joy. The power of joy. How many of you guys are joyful today? All right, we're going to work on that, okay? So there's power in joy. You guys believe that, that there's power in joy? Man, have you ever walked into a room and seen someone that's just sitting there discouraged and miserable? And then have you ever walked in the room where you saw someone that was just filled with joy? And something about that joy was a little bit contagious. Maybe you might have been a little bit irked. You know, why is a person so happy? But the more you kind of spend some time with them, you're like, okay. And a little smile appears on your face. And, and little by little, you just find yourself being joyful as well. There's such power in joy. You know, I was looking at uh, Facebook the other day, and I forgot which church member put on which church member's wall, but somebody put on somebody's wall. This documentary about, um, I guess it was like a nursing home of some sort, 
and it was this elderly man uh, in this nursing home. And, and every time that this nurse who kind of uh, took care of him would see him, he'd always be kind of crouched down, kind of like in this like position. And he wouldn't move. If you asked him questions, he wouldn't respond. He wouldn't talk back. Um, he was kind of in this, in his own little world, just with kind of this really depressing kind of state like this. And uh, they were doing this study on the power of music. And what happened was um, they they created this kind of pop iPod filled with uh, the music of his generation, I guess, like what was hot back in his day. And they kind of made this whole playlist just for him. And, and they realized that when they put the headphones over his ears, his body started to respond to the music. And uh, slowly but surely, uh, they, they had a cameraman kind of videotaping the whole scenario. And uh, they, the nurse was saying, as soon as you put the headphones to his ears, he started to physically respond to the music. And uh, we find out later on that he was a huge music buff, a musician himself, a singer himself. And music is just something that brought him immense joy. And so they put the headphones over his ears, and all of a sudden he began to, he was always in this position, but he began to kind of tap his foot. And then he began to kind of hum along, like, hmm, and he would just kind of like shake his head. And, and uh, you know, they put this music on him for about like maybe 20 minutes or so, and they took the headphones off, and they said, try talking to him now. And they would ask him, call him by name, and be like, hey, sir, are you enjoying this music? And he'd be like, oh, yes, yes. Do you love music? Oh, yes, I love music. I love music. You know, when they tried asking him questions prior to this moment, he, there was absolutely no response. And all, even physically, his body began to respond to the music. And, and then they began to ask him questions. Hey, well, who's your favorite singer? And he began to just speak about his favorite singer. And then he began to talk about, I used to write songs. And, and they were like, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember any of these songs? And oh, yes. And he began to sing a song that he wrote. And you could just see life just begin to kind of fill up his body in that moment and just joy beaming from him from listening to music. Who would have thought? A man that was just stuck in this kind of crippling position and just listening to music, his, he began to get strengthened in his physical body and his body began to respond and his ability to understand what people are saying began to become more clear. And he was in this fog, and all of a sudden, he's in this place of clarity, just by music. Powerful short documentary. I remember I watched it, and I was crying. I, was like, <laughs> I just cry a lot, but it just touched me. It just touched me. And as soon as he was listening to this music, this response, but when they took the music off, you know, little by little, he would go back to that original state. But there's something about music that gave him joy. And something about that joy that gave him a strength that he didn't have before. You know, joy is so, so powerful. And I'm not talking about a joy that is kind of, uh, I guess, it lasts only a song. You know, I'm talking about a joy that is everlasting. A joy that is unending. And I think Christians need to tap into joys more often. Too many Christians are so depressed and they're just so sad about being Christians. You know, I remember that was like my life for so much of my Christian life was looking at depressed people at church all the time, you know. And I think especially for us, when I was in youth group, we were all depressed because we couldn't do what we wanted to do, you know. 
Like we all, you know, I remember like every day, um, not every day, but there were moments, uh, especially like elementary school when someone have a birthday party, which is like a big deal, you know, like birthday party and you get a goodie bag. And I don't know, we went like roller skating. That's what we did. And when I was in elementary school and, you know, some birthday parties would be on Sunday, you know? And as soon as I looked at the invitation, I'd be like, man, I know my dad's going to say no, you know, cause it's Sunday and I got to go to church and I'd be so bummed, but still I would always ask, but, um, you know, Marissa, who lives down the block, my best friend, it's her birthday, and I really want to go to her birthday party. And I was a daddy's girl, so my dad would be like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. I'm like, um, it's on Sunday. and me- No. And I remember all day Sunday, I'd just be, like, so angry, so upset, just thinking about the roller skating party I'm missing. And, you know, for some reason, I don't think a lot of Christians have tapped into the joy that we can have in, in God. And... You know, even as a, as a young high schooler growing up and trying to walk this Christian life, I really didn't have access to that joy. Nobody really, really taught me about the true joy of God. And I saw my friends who were kind of living it up and they looked happy. And so for me, I really felt like I was missing out. I was missing out, man. I was missing out. I'll talk, talk about it a little bit later, but there's power in joy. You know, um, I think some Christians today actually argue about preachers being using sense of humor, using humor in their messages uh, as as kind of doing, dis, I don't know, like a, it being inju- not injustice. What is it? A dis, disservice. There we go. A disservice to preaching the word of God. And um, for me, I I wholeheartedly disagree with that just because I'm a product of of humor used in messages really bringing life back to to me personally. And, um, you know, there is actually a Christian stand-up comedian. His name is Michael Jr. And uh, there's this DVD movie that he made going touring around prisons. Uh, And he would go to these prisons and meet all... These are men who would have life sentences in jail. And so not really much to look forward to, you know? Not a lot to dream about, not a lot of hope. And the moment he would walk in and he would just see such anger and depression and bitterness, but he would do kind of like a stand-up comedian sort of act, um, a clean version, clean. And, um, and he would do this, this act and, you know, uh, all of a sudden, these, you know, slowly but surely these people would just begin to start cracking up. And they would interview these prison, um, uh, these men in prison after his stand-up kind of comedian thing. And these guys would just be laughing. He would uh, share the gospel after he would do his comedic kind of, you know what I'm talking about, right? 20 minutes of whatever. And um, he would preach the gospel, and, and these men would just kind of sit there and respond, and, and they would be interviewed by the cameraman and would say, I haven't laughed so hard in like 10 years. I haven't laughed. I haven't had a reason to laugh in so long. And something, something about today, just something came alive in me. You know, we were created to be joyful. We were created to walk in joy. We were created not to be depressed Christians, you guys, but to be joy-filled Christians. There's such power in joy. I'll tell you one more quick story before I move on. There's a powerful minister by the name of Mahashavda, and he actually has an incredible healing ministry. And uh, he would go and... You know, he would see such amazing healings. People who have cancer dramatically healed by the laying on of hands. People who, you know, had, um, was, was blind being able to see. Even creative, creative miracles. People who had missing limbs that growing out. It's kind of crazy to think about. But if you really, really think about it, 
God can do that. You know, it's like so like what for us? But if you really want to think about it, God is so powerful. I'm pretty sure it's, you know, he can do that. And so he has this incredible ministry. But in the beginning of his ministry, um, one of his children got incredibly sick and uh, was on their deathbed. And him and his wife had to endure this immense trial. Think about it. Here he is healing other people, but his own child is suffering. Can you imagine how much warfare, how much discouragement he had to fight off? And what happened was, you know, every night him and his wife would just cuddle in bed and they would turn up just uh, stand up. They would just listen to stand-up comedians. Just non-Christians, just stand-up comedians. And they would just take some time and just listen and they would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Why? Because they knew there was just something about laughing. There was something about just laughing, just being joyful that, that just empowered them and strengthened them. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say, I want that joy. You guys are saying it like you need that joy. Come on. (laughs) Man, y'all making me depressed right now. Come on. (laughs) Smile a little bit. So here's Apostle Paul, and he's writing a letter to the Philippi church, and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. Always. I will say it again, just in case y'all did not hear me. Rejoice in the Lord. The pastor said rejoice in the Lord on Sundays. Rejoice in the Lord when you're in church. Rejoice in the Lord when your prayers are answered. Rejoice in the Lord when you're around other Christians. Rejoice in the Lord when you're just having a quiet time. No. It says rejoice in the Lord always. Always. That means at all times, on all occasions. That's the command that Apostle, the father of this church, the one who laid, who, who fathered this church gave to the church members, rejoice in the Lord. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't advice. It was a command. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, at all times, on all occasions, and just in case you missed it, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Why would he be so adamant about speaking these words? Because there is strength that we can find in rejoicing in the Lord that enables us to persevere no matter what you're facing. No matter what you're going through, there is power and joy. And I'm not talking about a euphoric feeling. I know about, you know, back, Pastor Christian, when he first preached a couple of weeks ago in the opening service, he talked a little bit about my testimony. And part of that testimony was I used to do drugs. Okay, I'm just going to say it right here so we can just, all right. I used to do drugs, and I was a huge, I guess my drug of choice was weed. I was a big pothead. But I I also enjoyed ecstasy. I'm going to talk a little bit about ecstasy, okay? Ecstasy is also known as a happy drug. I don't know if you guys know about it. It's a tiny little pill. It comes in different colors, has little designs on it. Some has lightning bolts and hearts and whatever it is, whatever the color, it's supposed to make you feel happy, okay? And when you take this small little pill, you wait just a couple of, maybe about 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, you just, this feeling of euphoria just comes on you, and you are convinced that you are happy, okay? You are, your body has now tricked you and deceived you into thinking that you are happy with everything that's going on in your life. And so you go around other people who have also taken that tiny little pill. You put them in a hot, sweaty, nasty club. You put a DJ in this sort of, kind of like this, like a little bit of a pulpit action, and you have them all facing the DJ, kind of like what you guys are doing right now, and, and just dancing and lifting up your hands. Wait, that kind of reminds me of what we did about 
10 minutes ago and it's like a worship service. Let me tell you. And people are just dancing and people are just, oh man, I love you. What's your name again? Roy? Roy, I love you. And you just are in this euphoric state of happiness. All is well. All is good. I mean, I remember I used to be high on ecstasy. We call it rolling. And I'd have people I couldn't stand next to me. But when I was high, I was like, girl, you're awesome. And you, I mean, all my problems just faded away. I felt like I could take over the world. Really. I felt like I could take over the world. And I remember the first time one of my uh, friend's girlfriends, he came along with us and she got high for the first time on XC. And she saw the whole scene and she looked at me and your, your pupils kind of get enlarged. And she's looking at me like this and she's like, it looks like we're in heaven. I feel like we're in heaven. And I remember hearing those words and something kind of just for a moment just didn't sit right. And then I forgot about it. But I think about that now because I didn't, I, I didn't forget what she had said. Something in my heart broke. And I said, what? This isn't heaven. This is such a fake, bootleg, counterfeit, wannabe version of what it's like to have joy in the Lord. You know, I felt, I'm not going to lie, I felt incredible when I was high. But you know what happened? The next day, the next day I felt like I wanted to die. The next day when I was back in the circumstances I was already in, the next day when I had to face reality again, the next day when, when nothing really changed, I had no strength. I was so depressed. I was so defeated. I was more discouraged. I felt more like giving up than I did before taking the drugs. Here I was. I could have sworn I was happy in those six hours seven hours, however much drugs I decided to take that night. But let me tell you, it was very temporary. It was very temporary and it was very, very deceptive. I'm not talking about a joy like that. I'm not talking about a joy that lasts six hours. I'm not talking about a joy that's based on denial. I'm not talking about a joy that's based on deception. I'm talking about a joy that's based on truth. When I was high on ecstasy, I was deceiving myself. I was telling myself, I love everybody in this room. I love my life. I can take over the world. And I really believe that. But the moment that high was done, I was back to reality. Nothing had changed. Nothing in my life had changed. That's not a joy that I think is powerful. There's nothing powerful about that kind of happiness. See, it's the truth, the word of God, and only the truth that can set us free. And we, we do a lot of things that can keep us in a place of temporary happiness that is based on not truth, but deception. It establishes us more in discouragement, and later on, we're more fearful than when we even started. But I'm talking about the power of having joy in the Lord. You know, if you read on with me, it says, let not let your reasonableness, I think NIV says gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made, made known to God. And the peace of God, here we go, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The problem with 
The difficulty behind having being able to rejoice in all occasions is we face we, we face some hard times, don't we? When we look at our circumstances and our situations, really it's hard to rejoice in them. And the reason being is we just don't have peace. We haven't accessed or tapped into the peace that we can get from God. Why? Because the things in front of us have not yet been solved. It hasn't been fixed. It hasn't been dealt with. We're standing in front of obstacles, but we haven't overcome them yet. And so we're looking at it and we're asking ourselves, how are we supposed to rejoice when we're on this side? How is that even possible? You know, there's so many people in this world that's on the quest for peace. You know, you look at things like yoga or you look at things like meditation or, you know, books about, you know, emptying your mind. And I don't know, going on these long journeys of, of traveling to India and finding your soul. And, you know, people really want peace. Why? Because people are tired. We're tired. We're tired of worrying. We're tired of being afraid. We're tired of, of the things that could happen and being stressed out about that. People are so tired of living like that that they are desperate to experience peace. And so they go through all these different channels. How can I find peace? Where can I find peace? And they read all these self-help books, look into the mirror and say, today's going to be a good day. You ever look at the self-help section? It's huge. It's huge. Why? Because people are hungering for an answer. They're desperate for an answer. You know, we think peace is not possible until everything is resolved. That's the way our mind works. Peace is not possible in our lives until everything has been settled. Everything has been taken care of. People, you know, the funny thing is people get more stressed out trying to achieve peace and obtain peace you know, then they are, you know, just looking at their circumstances. It's like, I need everything to be fixed. And then that, that thought that itself begins to just stress people out. And they do all sorts of crazy things, weird things. In fact, you know, a lot of people do drugs because they want peace. My initial response, whenever I faced anything in my life that was tumultuous was, I got to get high right now. You know, or I got a drink right now. So if anything were to happen, I go, okay, I call my friend. Let's do this right now. I remember there was a moment where I turned my life back to the Lord about junior year of college. And I was serious about living right. I told myself, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it the right way. I've tried it my way and it sucks. I'm miserable. I'm depressed and nothing's going right. And so I, I told myself, you know what? I'm going to do it the right way. And I really tried. I went to church. I remember going to a small group. People were so weirded out by me because you know, they knew that I was the one doing drugs and up in the club and to see me in their small group, they were like, what's going on? And, and, you know, I remember really trying hard and God really meeting me in that way. But, but I wasn't, what happened was my best friend of over like 13 years, she passed away that year. And I remember getting that phone call. She had gone to a car accident and, uh, it was a rainy night and she, um, crashed into a tree and she wasn't wearing her seatbelt. And the truth was, had she worn a seatbelt, she would be alive today. But she had a terrible habit of not caring. It was more reflective of the way that she saw her life as well. She was going through a lot of hard times. And so she, she didn't wear her seatbelt. She crashed, crashed into a tree and about 514 in the morning, she passed away. And I remember getting a phone call, like about 20 phone calls. I missed it. 
and, and waking up and looking and finding out what had happened. And the moment I hit that obstacle, I, I didn't know what else to do. For so long, I had developed a habit and developed kind of this way of dealing with problems as the moment something terrible happens, I'm going to turn to drugs or I'm going to turn to alcohol or I'm going to turn to, you know, relationships that, that weren't good for me. And so immediately when that had happened, I remember calling, uh, you know, my ex-boyfriend where we broke up because it was a terrible, abusive relationship, but I, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know who else to turn to. I didn't know how to respond you know, I didn't know that I had access to a peace that, that pr- surpasses all understanding. I didn't know that. And so I, the first thing I did was I stepped into, I went back to what was familiar. I went back to what I did know, which was going back to this ex-boyfriend and going back to doing drugs. And here I was, I was really trying hard. And the moment this, this tumultuous event happened in my life, and at the age of 21, I had to give my first eulogy, all of a sudden I went back to what I knew. Because I only understood peace and joy in the Christian life when everything's going well. I didn't understand that even when things were difficult, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst when everything's falling apart, I had access to a joy that made no sense to the world. You know, John 14 verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is Jesus speaking. Not as the world gives do I give to you. I'm not talking about a peace that's given by your circumstances. I'm not talking about a peace that's given when everything is all dandy. Any, anyone can experience that. But I am talking about a peace that is so strong, so powerful, so incredible, so mighty, that even in the midst of a terrible storm in your life, you can access that peace and experience it in your life. The thing is, for us, our problem is we're trying to reach for it. I remember my, so much of my Christian life felt like this. You, ever, you know when you're a child and you can't reach that cabinet that you know has a candy in it? You know, like that's me. That's my story. And before I got the revelation of the chair, you know, like... Before I knew that I can pull the chair and stand on the chair. Before that, I remember being a little kid and just, like, just so stressed out trying to reach this cabinet. Because I saw my mom put the chocolate in that cabinet, and I knew I wanted it, and I needed it. And so I just gave you guys crazy eyes, you know, that chocolate. And so, so much of my Christian life was like, ah, trying to reach for so many things to try to reach out for it. And it was just the striving, and it was so tiring and so draining. But peace, joy, what I'm talking about today, it doesn't come by reaching for it. It comes by revelation. You receive peace that transcends all understanding. You receive joy that is powerful, that strengthens you in your inner man, not outwardly, but inside by revelation. When you get the revelation of who God is in your life, that's when you begin to access peace. We got to stop reaching for things we already have. We got to stop reaching for things that's already accessible to us. It's like reaching for something that's right here, like right here. Like, uh, <laughs> why is it so hard? It's right there. It's so easy. Why? It comes by revelation. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I need that revelation. 
There's a verse in the Bible that says, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And one of my, one of my favorite uh, singers, Israel Houghton, Houghton, Houghton. I never know how to pronounce his last name. He's an incredible worship leader, so anointed. There's a, there's a song in, um, that he was singing. And you know how singers kind of talk in between songs, kind of like, you know, somebody was doing earlier. You know, they get a little, they begin to kind of exhort you um, with their words and kind of lead you to a place of worship. And he was doing that kind of like exhortation, like kind of encouraging, because um, it was a live recording. And he began to talk about this specific verse, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And he began to say, morning is not just a physical time in the day. It's not like from 5 o'clock to, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It's not like McDonald's morning hours, you know. It's not like when you can just get breakfast from certain restaurants. Morning is a description of when you wake up. See, sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes when you wake up. Joy comes when something inside of you awakens, awakens. When you get that revelation, some of us are just like sleeping in slumber, in slumber, so numb, so oblivious to what you have right in front of you or even inside of you. And God is saying, you want the joy? I got to wake you up. You need to be woken up. You got to be shaken up. I'm going to wake up that joy inside of you. Joy comes in the morning. We need to wake up. We need to stop living life like we have nothing to be happy about. We got to stop living life like circumstances had that much authority over us. You know, my name is Erin. It's an Irish name. So random. It's random because literally in Irish, it means Ireland, like the nation. I know. And I was so confused why my parents would name me this name, especially because, well, they can't even pronounce it, you know? And, and a lot of Koreans can't pronounce it because Erin is really hard to say. And so, I mean, my parents gotten pretty good, but my, I remember my friend's parents, they never knew what to call me because they always had problems with my name. And, and they just say in Korean, you know, that toothpick girl. The girl, the girl that looks like a toothpick. <laughs> or the girl that smiles too much. <laughs> Those were the names that they would give me. You know that girl, that, that friend of yours. And they couldn't say my name. So I had no idea why. And I remember coming to my mom and asking her, why did you name me Erin? And I was really expecting some sort of like beautiful story. You know, well, daughter, sit down at my feet. And let me describe to you how I got your name. And she was like, well, I didn't have a name. And there was this name book at the hospital. And I just kind of flipped through it. And I thought it was nice. And I was like. Man, thanks, mom. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. And um, actually, recently, my husband and I we got to take a trip to California, and we met um, our spiritual mentor, Pastor Benjamin. He's one of the speakers at the retreat that's coming up next weekend. He's awesome. Like he's he's the man that wakes me up. You know, everything that I'm in slumber in, he's the one that shakes me and is like, it's in your reach already. He's the one that speaks those words to me. And um, he's, he's really like a father to me. And I remember there was a moment where he had took some time to pray for Christian and myself and Cassandra, one of our church members who had joined us. And he was praying for me. And he said, I feel like God is saying, I'm the God of Aaron. And I'm like, oh, yes, okay. Yes, God, you are the God of me. And he said, Aaron, it comes from a Greek word. I'm going to try really hard to say this. Erenes. Erene. You guys ever watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Such a good movie. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't watched it, you should see it. But the father is, like, obsessed with Greek culture. 
like mad Greek pride. It's kind of like Koreans. And um, he would tell the daughter and his children and all their friends, like, say any word, any word, and I will tell you that it's from a Greek, Greek word. And it's true. Well, my name, I, apparently I never knew this, but it, it comes from the Greek word arene, and that word means peace. And it's not just any kind of peace. Actually, the peace that the de- definition of that particular peace, I'm the God of peace here. If you guys turn with me to Romans chapter 17, I think that's where. Oh, Romans, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 16. I'll show you this gangster passage with my name in it. Romans chapter 16. Wait, what? There is no Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6. Maybe that's what I meant. 16? Where am I? Oh, <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, 16 verse 20. And it says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace. And he, he, he quoted this verse to me. He said, The God of peace, the God of Aaron. The God of your God. Your God will crush Satan. Satan under your feet. And he was talking about this peace not being the absence of conflict. It's not just like, oh, there's nothing wrong here, so there's peace. He was talking about a peace that is militant. A peace that keeps guard. A, a, key, a peace that's actually like a gangster peace. And I was like, that, for me, sounds like an oxymoron, you know, like gangster peace. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand what he was saying, but he was talking about a, a peace that is so militant that it crushes every discouragement. A peace that's so powerful that no matter what doubt, no matter what depression, no matter what deception comes your way, it destroys it and puts it under your feet. He's talking about a powerful peace. And a peace that transcends all understanding. And it's funny, later on, if you flick back to, flip back to uh, Philippians... It says the peace of God, the Aaron of God, (laughs) the peace of God. You guys aren't excited about that as I am. Okay. Okay, fine. You can fill in your name. All right. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard. Why would he use that word guard? Guard is another very kind of militant sort of word. It will guard your mind and it will guard your heart. From what is he talking about exactly? Guard your mind and guard your heart from what? I think it could be described later on when we read, think about these things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just. I guess it would guard everything that's the opposite of that. A peace that would guard whatever is false, deceptive, Whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is not pure, but is, I don't know, what's the opposite of pure? Impure, thank you. (laughs) Not whatever is lovely, but whatever is ugly, okay? (laughs) You know, when we walk through life, there is a millions of, of temptations for us to fall into the place of discouragement. Or even to be afraid to look at your circumstances, to look at the people you care about and love and see what they're going through and to fall into that place of a fear. But I'm talking about a peace that guards your mind, a peace that guards your heart, like armored, like has guns, like guards 
your mind and your heart from allowing those kind of thoughts to come in. But too many of our guards have fallen asleep and is letting any thought, any discouragement, anybody just come right on in and build a little home in our hearts and in our minds. And now we're continuously oppressed and tormented by fearful thoughts and worry and anxiety. You can't even sleep. You can't even, you, you don't remember the last time you really experienced real peace or rest. God wants to awaken your armed guards of peace. He wants to awaken the joy that we have in that revelation, that peace guards us like that. When Apostle Paul commanded his, his disciples to rejoice in the Lord, he didn't say it as, I'm going to command you so I hope you can do it. He said he commanded because he knew they could. And oftentimes when we look at the commands in the Bible, things that God has spoken, we think it's impossible. And we say to ourselves, rejoice when this is going on. Rejoice with thanksgiving to, to, to pray. You know, the thing is we pray, but often we pray more with anxiety than we pray with thankfulness. You know, when we pray and we contend for family member salvations or even difficult situations that we're facing right now, we often pray with anxiety than we do praying with thanksgiving and joy. And I'm telling you, you're praying with the opposite mindset that you need to be having. It says pray with thanksgiving. Not being anxious about anything, but pray in thanksgiving. And we think, how, we, how are we supposed to do this? How can we do this? But I kind of want to give you like, the reason why you can do this is because he said to. Say with me here. When This is what my spiritual father spoke over me once in a message. And he was talking about how when God first gave Adam his first assignment, which was to do what? To name all the animals, right? When he received his first assignment, Adam didn't look back at God and said, how am I supposed to do this? He didn't look back at God and say, do you know how many animals there are? He didn't say, listen, oh, you didn't give me any training. I need at least a seminar. Can I take some sort of animal naming internship before, you know, you entrust me with all of this? No, he, as soon as God said this, do it. He said, all right, I'm going to do it. Why? Because as the father said, do it. He knew that God also gave him full authority, full ability to be able to do it and to do it in fullness and excellence. And so here is Apostle Paul saying, rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. And instead of saying, how am I supposed to reach for that? Now we can say, because you said it, I know I can do it. Because God has commanded it, I know I can do it. Why? Because he gives me full authority. The world doesn't have the authority to take that joy away. The world doesn't have the authority to take the peace away circumstances, situations, none of that. Why? Because Jesus said, I give you peace. A peace that the world does not give, therefore the world cannot take away. And so therefore, we can't be giving away what Jesus gave us. We have authority. We have authority over the way we think. We have authority over the way we experience even our emotions. We have authority. But for too long, our guards have been fast asleep, but it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to get the revelation that it's already in you. You already have the full ability to be joyful right now, no matter what you're going through. You have the full ability. 
Not by your own strength, but because of who God is. And I'll leave you with this. It doesn't just say rejoice, always rejoice. It says rejoice in the Lord. Your object of rejoicing, the who you are looking at when you rejoice is the Lord. And this is why we get stuck, because we're trying to rejoice looking at our problems. We're trying to rejoice looking at ourselves. We're trying to rejoice looking at our shortcomings, and it's, we can't do it. But when you begin to rejoice and look at the Lord, you begin to see, man, God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is love. He is unfailing. God is almighty. He is the alpha and the omega. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is nothing impossible for my God. The moment you begin to fix your eyes from all of a sudden, joy begins to bubble up. Peace begins to get established inside of you. Why? Because you fixed your eyes on the one is unchanging. That's why we can stay in the place of joy always, during all times, continually, because God, he's the same always. He's the same continuously. No matter what you're facing, God is God. When he introduced introduced himself to Moses, he said, I am who I am. That's like gangster. When I read that, I was confused. I was like, I am who I am. I don't get that. But he was saying, I am who I am. Everything. I am everything. I am who I am. When we fix our eyes, when we rejoice in him, we can rejoice always. Always. Come on, just bow your head with me. I want to take this moment and I want to, I want to pray. I want us to respond. It said in Philippians chapter four, verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What you learned and what you received And heard and seen in me. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I'm not here to make you feel good for 30 minutes. I'm not here to encourage you just for this moment. I'm here to give you a revelation that you can take with you when you walk out of these doors. When you face obstacles. When you face impossible situations. When you have someone threatening you. Intimidating you. When you have someone slandering you. When you have people coming against you. I'm trying to give you a revelation from the Lord that will guard you even in those moments. Always. But we got to receive it. And we got to practice these things. Some of you are facing something right now. And the moment we read this passage before I preached, and you looked at what verse I was preaching out of, a part of you was like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) But it's good news because you're not reaching for it anymore. It's good news because the truth is you have it. You have full access to it. All you need to do is believe. 
All you need to do is have faith that these words are true, that if you rejoice in the Lord always, if you rejoice in him, the God of peace that surpasses all understanding will begin to guard your hearts and your minds. So before we just begin to pray, um, I want us to pray together. And I want us to just take a moment and just put into action the rejoicing in the Lord part. Let's just begin to fix our eyes on who God is. For some of you, you've already seen God do some incredible things in your life. I want you to just remember. I want us for a moment to just think about what's true. Think about what's honorable. Think about what's just. Think about what's pure, whatever is lovely, commendable. Anything that's worthy of praise, I want us to just begin to think about these things and I want us to begin to give thanks, to give thanks in response. And so let's just take some time and pray and just give fresh offering of praise and rejoice to the Lord. Come on, let's pray. 